Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me for this episode of Gators Breakdown is former Auburn offensive lineman and SEC Network analyst Cole Kublik. Cole, thank you so much for uh, joining me here on Gators Breakdown. Of course, I, I follow you on Twitter, and, when, and with all the traveling and appearances, you are a busy man right now. Well, it's uh, it's that time of year, so you just kind of get used to it and go with it. But um, you know, it's it's fun. Wouldn't trade it for anything, and obviously, uh, hopefully, this game's going to continue to get better. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, we'll get into get we'll get into the Gators in just a second. But uh, you've been in, you've been to Gainesville the last uh, two weeks for Gator games. How, how how have the trips been for you? They've been good. Um, they've been real good. You know, I'm, obviously, I know that staff from when they were at Mississippi State, so it, it always helps to to know those guys and to, just to have an idea of what they're all about, what they expect, and you know, sort of how they coach. So it's they're always good to us. Dan's good to us, and you know Gainesville's a, Gainesville's a fun town. Swamp's a special place, man. It's a uh, it's a place that I love going to call a game. I was fortunate enough to play a game there, and don't have great memories as far as the outcome goes. But you know, it's just one of those places that you grow up as a kid, just wanting to be a part of and wanting to be in. And so uh, I'm all, I always feel good about uh, about being able to be a part of a game there. No, all right. We're definitely hoping uh, it can get back to uh, the, the swamp everybody remembers uh, there. So, but before we start breaking down the Gators with Cole, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Hey, find us on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, uh, and also on social media, Twitter, Facebook, at Gators Breakdown. So, Cole, uh, you've seen you've been around this Gators team for the last two weeks by curving the team for uh, the Saturday night games for SEC Network. Uh, now, competition has a lot to do with it, but we have seen two different looking Gator teams uh, so far these first two weeks of the season. Yeah, and, and, I, and obviously that has a lot to do with the opponent, and you know that's that's just going to be part of it. But I I agree with you to the extent that you had one week where. Look pretty good. Look like things were improving. Looks like things were going to be rolling and things were going to be sort of figured out, I guess. 
And and then all of a sudden, week two, things look a lot different. But I, I don't want to take too much away from Kentucky, and, and I think they deserve a lot of the credit. I, I think they deserve to to be mentioned as a team that went out and won that football game. I, I don't think that I don't think Florida gave them that game by any stretch of the imagination. Now there are a lot of mistakes that were made, and there are guys that didn't play well. But I think I think Kentucky earned a victory in that football game. So. Uh, I think they deserve to have it talked about that way, and, and there's still talent on this Florida football team. They, they've got a chance to get things headed in the right direction, but you know they had that streak come to an end at home. Uh, that's a tough one, especially for a first-year head coach when all the players were hearing about you know the, the streak and the distractions and the outside things uh, surrounding what that game really was. Cole, just how much work does Dan Mullen have on his hands? And what a lot of people were pointing to after after the the, the loss to Kentucky was just the culture of the team. Uh, how, how much does he have to change in taking over for the previous staff? Is this team and program further behind than we'd like to acknowledge? I think so, um, and, and I think if you if you talk to some of those coaches, you'll you get a pretty good idea of of just where things are and, and sort of sort of what they're having to deal with and and what the mindset, what the attitude was of that program when this coaching staff arrived. And it's going to be something that's very difficult for those guys to get turned around. Um, you, you, you hear some stories about how certain things played out last year, and and then all of a sudden a new staff comes in. It's a new culture. It's new expectations. It's it's it, it's new ideas. And then obviously new fundamentals. And things are being taught a different way. I think that's maybe the most surprising part to me that I've heard uh, from multiple members of that staff is just how much teaching that they're, have to, they're having to do of fundamental football, uh, lining up in the stands, you know, basic lists in the weight room, uh, and expectations of, of when to be places, how to be places, how to act when you're places. And so I think the learning curve will be bigger because they are, they're having to go so far back and really start so so close to the beginning with a lot of these guys just when it comes to a lot of things that are – basic fundamental football football fundamentals and, and that's just it, it's it's a little bit disappointing to hear because i think they have enough talent to have a pretty good football team this year and, and with all that said cole are, are there things dan mullen himself can do better better with the short sample size we've seen so far yeah it's only been two games but are, are there things that we can point to for him that uh that uh you know maybe yeah, we I guess you know we can't put all of the blame uh, on Jim McElwain, uh, of course, and, and the previous staff. Are there things Dan Mullen can do better uh, from what we've seen so far? Well, sure. Uh, I, I think when you when you look at you look at any any coach that calls a game and, and loses is going to be able to go back and say, well, I wish I could have called this here, or I would have rather called this there, and you know, if I could have this series back. Uh, I think I would have handled it a different way. I uh, would like to have done it this way. So I, I always think you have that aspect of it. But you know, I, I think that there are there are opportunities that he probably would like to give other guys. I think you look at the Jordan Scarlett only getting five carries in the first half. I'm sure that's something that that Dan might want to go back and say. You know, I, I would like to to sort of try and focus in on getting the run game going a little bit earlier. So, but it, and even for me to say that, so much of it is predicated on on what the defense is showing and what was called and, and maybe what checks are in. So you, it, it's easy for us to just sit back here, you know, on a Wednesday and say, yeah, they should have done this or they should have done that. And it's, it's, it more comes down to execution than second-guessing play calls and things of that nature. But 
Dan's learning these guys just like these guys are learning Dan and his staff, and, and it's going to take some time for them to all get on the same page. Right, Cole Cubic from the SEC Network joining us here on Gators Breakdown. Cole, of course, uh, we know it, it starts up front, uh, and the Florida offensive line has been much maligned, and for good reason lately. Uh, but, you, you know, you played uh, along the offensive line, of course. So what do you see as some of the main issues that, uh, that these guys just can't wrap their head around right now? One of the one of the first things that sticks out to me is just the lack of flexibility. You got a couple of guys that just can't bend, and and so they're 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 not able to consistently get leverage, and they're 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 not able to consistently be engaged on a defender at the point of attack where they would need. And is is there some attitude stuff with a couple of guys? Yeah, probably. You know, you look at. I mean, it's, it goes back to what I said about teaching some of the basics and some of the fundamentals. I mean, you got some guys in, in their past sets that are still getting their feet together, that are still immediately opening up their hips to the sideline. I, mean, I know John Hevesy doesn't teach that. So if we can talk about coaching, and you, know, you can coach something, and a guy goes in the game and does it a different way. You know, you know where, where do you stand? If you don't have a better option from a talent perspective, you got to make a decision. So I, I think that, Jawan Taylor's probably the guy that would stick out that I'd say has been impressive so far, that, that I've enjoyed watching so far. Um, I think Brett Heggie could be a guy that could give them a bit of a spark from an execution standpoint and maybe from an attitude standpoint. So it's a very odd group. Um, I mean, I think I've been saying for, for two and a half years now that they're the most talented offensive line in the league, and a lot of me still sees that. But at some point in time, you, you, just, you almost got to close that door and say, all right, it doesn't really matter how much talent they have. They're just they're not going to be a group that figures it out. And, and I'm not giving up on them, and, and I'm not saying that, that they can't be a group that, that plays good football, but it's just been a long time since I've seen them play collectively consistent good football. And with the kind of talent that I know a T.J. McCoy has, because I saw him play good ball two years ago, I know Fred Johnson has, and I know Martez Ivy has. To so just not them, not be able to see them put it together is, is just frustrating and disappointing. You can imagine what what the guys on that staff think, and what what people who who root for Florida Gator football every week think, because they they watch it as intently as I do, and I can understand why it's frustrating. Right then, uh, a fan, you know, a fan frustrated. I sent a question to me, wanted me to ask you about this, and uh, you you brought up Martez Ivy, but Billy R. Edwards uh, at Bill Dogs Gator fan, I uh, wanted he goes, what you know, what is going on with Ivy? Is it is it a footwork issue, or is it is he not understand certain blocking schemes, or and the new blocking scheme that they've brought in? Because you know, for whatever reason, even with the old staff, you know, he's a five star coming in, one of the the two five stars Florida has on the roster, but he hasn't really lived up to that billing yet. Uh, what what seems you know from what you've been able to see in the last couple of years of uh, of Martez Ivy? I mean, a little bit of all of it, to be honest with you. I, I don't I don't think I could just check mark one of those and say, oh, it's his feet or oh, it's his attitude. It's, it's a little bit of everything. There's there's it's just like if you're a if you're a good offensive lineman, there's not one thing that makes you good. It's not just. It's not just your get-off. It's not just how hard you play. It's not if you finish on a regular basis. It's every, hands, feet, technique, fundamentals, leverage, you know, finishing, attitude, demeanor. That all goes into being a good offensive lineman. So a guy who's struggling, it's, it's not just going to be one thing. But like I said, the, the basic and technique and fundamentals, especially in his past sets, are something that, that's frustrating to watch because it's i mean it's a lot of it's kind of elementary stuff it's, it's day one stuff of 
taking a professional pass set. You, you know that how to take that kick slide, and you know you not to get your feet together, and you know not to open your hips up. And you see it happen sometimes, and you just think to yourself, man, that's it. He, he spent enough time on the field to know that that's not how it's done. But I also sometimes think about the fact that you got a guy that's been playing for two or three years, and this is not just him, this is just any guy, who a new coaching staff comes in and attempts to tell them, hey, you're not doing it right. This is not the way that it's done, but he's been doing it for a while that way and probably had a lot of people telling him he's really good. So I can imagine that mentally that would be difficult for a lot of young men to deal with. And – you know, it's now coming in, changing the system a little bit, doing things a different way. Coach is asking different things from you. So it's hard to truly advance when you're learning new things a lot of times. So, um, you know, I, I will say this. That coaching staff was very complimentary of the fall camp that he had, and very complimentary of how he's handled himself in practice since the season began. So to me, that shows that he's still open-minded. He's still willing to accept coaching. He still understands he's got a long way to go. I've talked to some former teammates of his that say that he is a good teammate and that he cares about the game and that that light switch is hopefully coming on and and he's going to get it. But you still haven't seen him play high-level football very consistently, and that's just what you hope that you can get at some point this season. Cole, a lot has been made of the the mentality uh, of, and especially in the trenches from what we saw last week against Kentucky along the offensive line, along the defensive line, or, or the defensive front seven. And you've played the game, so I'd like to get your, you know, your thoughts on this of, of having a history of being around these type of guys. Can, can a tougher mentality be taught, or can it get better, or is it what it is at this point? You know, you play the game. I'm sure you've played with or against people who didn't originally have that physical mindset. Do, do transformations really happen in that regard? I don't think it can be taught uh, because I think ultimately you have to want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it. And it doesn't matter if a coach dog cusses you every day, makes you push the sled every day, it tells you you're a bad human being every day, spits on you, punches you every day. It, that's not going to make you have that mindset. It just isn't. You either want to do it or you don't. It's either inside of you or it's not. Now, I think certain coaches can do more things or, or do different things to help get it out of guys that do have it, maybe get it out of them more consistently. And... You know, I, I do think that they're stylistically are guys who can get players who maybe don't even have it in them, but can get them to play harder and get them to play maybe a different style of football. But that 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 nasty is just either in you or it's not. And you know, it's it, the expectation that comes with that. It's not always learned, and I, I think sometimes when you get a guy who comes in from, you know, I, I kind of going back to what I just said, you have a player that, that's played one way for two or three years, and now all of a sudden you have a coach that comes in and says, we're going to do it this way. Well, that, sometimes you butt heads on that, and it doesn't just work out that way. So, um, you know, the the attitude of this group is, is something that I know a lot of people question, and, and you see them on film, and it doesn't always look the way that you want it to. So uh, can it be taught? I don't really believe so, um, but I think that certain guys can do do a better job of not only getting it out of you, but I think certain guys can do a better job of making you want to do it for them. And, I mean, ultimately you have to want to do it for yourself. You're going to go out and you're going to punish guys and you're going to play hard. You're doing that for yourself and your teammates. But there are certain coaches who I think it can 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 help you want to go the extra mile because you also want to do it for them. 
And when you get that, that's that's when I think it becomes easier to to coach and produce a really good offensive line. All right, Cole, it, it can't all be negative here. So, you know, with what we've seen with these Gators. So, you know, what can the Gators do going forward? What are some of the good things you've seen in the last couple of weeks uh, that can have a positive outlook on the season? Well, I know Felipe Franks didn't look great in the second half, and he made a couple of poor decisions. But I really do still believe that, you know, him, him as a quarterback, uh, the way he handles himself in the pocket has improved. I've seen a lot of things in two games that, where I think he would have immediately bailed out on it last year, that he wouldn't have had the kind of patience that he had this year a year ago. He would have tucked the ball and run. He maybe would have tried to fit the ball in some different windows. Uh, now, the second half wasn't indicative of the first half and then the, the first two halves of the first game, but I, I do see a progression with him as a college quarterback. And in the new system, that's obviously going to take some time. Uh, I think I think Florida's got great skill. I, I think Jordan Scarlett, I think they got three really good running backs. And I think the receivers, especially with the transfers, you saw them make an impact week one. And with Van Jefferson and Trayvon Grimes uh, added to what they already had at wide receiver, I think those guys can make plays. So it's, it's going to be an ongoing process of, of Coach Mullen trying to find a way to get those guys the football and help them be explosive. Uh, defensively, uh, obviously, it's, you know, Todd Grantham knows how to coach defense. No one's going to question that. And that group can be aggressive. That group's fast. They're athletic. But when you see Benny Snell cutting back and getting eight or ten yards last weekend, and you go back and really watch it, and you see linebackers that are over pursuing, or linebackers that are focused on taking on offensive linemen instead of playing playing sound in their gaps, or maybe defensive linemen that are freelancing a little bit and getting out of their gaps and not having gap integrity, and it only takes one or two of those things on defense, and next thing you know, it's an eight-yard play that should have been a no-gain or a two-yard gain. So I still think that there's enough talent on this team for them to be good. It's just a matter of the lead. I think it comes down to leadership, to be honest with you, because the coaches have had enough time to say this is the expectation, this is what we want. They just need other guys on that team to step up and, and help guys get in line and help guys do it the way that they need to be doing it to go out and be productive. And, and then it comes down to execution. It's just want to. How bad do you want it? Like, I go back to Dekeo Spikes, who, who I played with at Auburn, and I understand that that physically he was a different character than maybe anybody who's playing linebacker in college football right now uh, outside of you know, two or three guys. But, I mean, he's the physical freak. But, you know, he used to always say tackling the mentality. If you, if you want to get a guy on the ground bad enough, then you will. You'll find a way to do it. You'll find a way to get that guy on the ground. And and I believe that to an extent. Now, is a guy who's 6'2", 255 pounds with, you know, 6% body fat and a neck, that's as wide as his shoulders, can he have an easier time doing it? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's a top 10 draft pick for a reason. But I still believe that that mentality and, and that slogan, that statement, that attitude holds true with anybody playing defensive football. So when you see guys missing tackles, you see guys out of position and, and not able to make tackles, or you see bad effort when they arrive at a ball carrier, you, you know that those are things that can be turned around. But I don't think Todd Grantham can just go yell at those guys and turn that around. I don't think he can go out there and say, hey, we want you to tackle better. That's a want to. I mean, that that just comes down to self-awareness and self-desire. All right, a couple more here for Cole Kubert before we uh, uh, let him go. Cole, just, uh, and I really doubt, you know, the first two weeks have, have changed expectations for Dan Mullen in Florida. You know, so this is probably going back to a little bit of a preseason uh, look for you. But, uh, you know, long-term expectations for Dan Mullen in Florida, it, it, is, it, is it the right fit to get this thing turned around? Yes. 
I said when Dan Mullen was hired, he'll win a national championship at Florida. I still believe that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this again, and this will be a reoccurring theme for me. People need to accept that Kentucky's a pretty good football team. Benny Snell is the second-best running back in the SEC. C.J. Conrad's a really good tight end. Terry Wilson is dynamic at quarterback. Drake Jackson is a really good center. Buncey Stallings is a good guard. Josh Allen's going to be a first-round draft pick at linebacker. Chris Westry and Mike Edwards in that secondary are going to get drafted. they got players, and they have veterans, and they have a lot of guys who played a lot of football and a coaching staff that's been together and understands their football team. So uh, uh, it's just – the overreaction to losing that game because it's Kentucky and maybe someone adjusting their expectations of what Dan Mullen's going to do long-term is just flat-out silly. Dan Mullen's going to win a national title, in my opinion. I think he's the right guy for the job. I think he has the right athletic director in there with him that's going to help him be able to do it. So the facilities are coming in. They obviously have the they have the history, they have the recruiting tool, and I think that, to me, that game Saturday night did not change my opinion at all, that Dan ultimately is going to have a lot of success as the Florida head football coach. All right, uh, Cole, you mentioned Kentucky and, and what you like about them. Let's go around the SEC right quick before you uh, let you go. Is it is it Georgia and still everybody else in the East? You just talked really well about Kentucky. Is is it Kentucky that, that, that maybe can uh, come up there and, and surprise the Bulldogs in the least or, or be their main competition? No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know if they're deep enough yet to be able to. I mean, could you know, could something happen in Kentucky upset Georgia? Yeah, it could happen. I don't, I'm not predicting that, but it could. I don't know if Kentucky's deep enough to play the kind of football that they played Saturday night, week in and week out. I mean, they, you know, one of the more impressive things that Kentucky overcame Saturday night was was losing Quinn Bohana on the interior of that defensive lineman. They only had five to play. You lose your best one. And you had to play a true freshman who's 368 pounds who's probably not ready to be a college football player yet. So, you know, that's where I really thought Florida would attack that defense. And it just didn't happen that way. But I don't think Kentucky is a huge threat to Florida as far as winning the East. If there is another threat, I think it's Missouri. I think Missouri's probably the sleeper in the SEC right now that nobody's talking about. I like what I've seen from them. I think they've played good ball. I like their offensive line. Albert Oza started tight end. I think they have two capable SEC running backs. Good weapons at receiver, and obviously the most NFL-ready quarterback in the SEC. The defense is is a, is a little bit ahead of where they were a season ago, and and let's be honest, if they if they're managing the offense a little bit better, and they're not as relentless with their pace and their tempo, and and and, and maybe not as irresponsible with their pace and tempo, the defense isn't going to have to be that much better. They're just going to need to get a couple stops a game. And so the, the offense doesn't look totally different. It's not like Derek Julie came in there and tried to overhaul the whole thing. But I do think he's trying to allow them to be smarter with how they do it, and that's going to ultimately help the defense. So I think you look at Missouri's schedule, they get Georgia at home in two weeks, and then you think about if they were to get that game, it doesn't even matter if they lose to Alabama a couple of weeks later, and the back end of Missouri's schedule is not that bad. Yeah. It's really not. So I think you look at – you know, once they get past Georgia and Alabama, now they're going to need some help. If, they, if that were to happen, and, and it's somewhat possible, you're going to have to have a Kentucky get Georgia. Auburn's going to have to get Georgia. I think Georgia's going to have to lose two SEC games. It would obviously help Missouri if they were one of them because then that allows them to go lose, say, to an Alabama and then be able to go on to win the rest of their games. So the way the schedule plays out, I like it for Missouri. The fact they get Georgia at home, that's big. It's a bit of a contrast-style game. Uh, but that Georgia secondary is going to make it tough to do a lot 
in, in that Missouri offense. So, uh, in the West, I think it's, I think Alabama's clearly ahead of everybody else. I, I think, I think Mississippi State and Auburn right now are probably a coin flip for third best team in the league. Obviously, they, for second best in the West as well. Um, I think both those teams, I mean, Mississippi State looked really physical against Kansas State, which was impressive. Auburn's D-line extremely physical against Washington. I think LSU's D-line was the same way against Miami. So we'll learn a lot more about Auburn and LSU this weekend. That'll be a fun game to watch. It'll be a good game. I think it's a bad matchup for both offenses. So I'm expecting a lower-scoring game, uh, a closer game. I think home field and quarterback allows Auburn to edge it out, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. And I think Ole Miss is a team that's just always going to be able to score points, but they're just they're not a great football team. And, and they'll get blown out again this weekend because they're not able to play defense and can't get stops. Um, not much to talk about with Arkansas, but as far as the league goes, that's kind of where I feel everybody stands. All right, guys and girls, that was Cole Kubik from the SEC Network. Cole, you, like I said, you've been around the program, the Florida program, the last couple of weeks. Uh, nobody could have broke it down better than you just did uh, for these last few minutes. So I can't thank you enough for joining uh, joining me here on Gators Breakdown. Hey, I appreciate you having me, and I look forward to doing it again soon. All right, Cole. Thank you very much. All right, Florida and Colorado State will meet for the first time on this coming Saturday when the Gators come off, coming off a loss to Kentucky and the Rams fresh off a fourth-quarter surge to beat Arkansas 34-27. Uh, so the Rams turned uh, that game around after Arkansas scored touchdowns on its first two possessions of the second half to extend a 13-9 halftime lead to 27-9 with 7.28 to play in the third quarter. Um, the, and Arkansas also led the Rams in total yards, 393-164. to But from that point on, Colorado State outgained Arkansas 265 yards to 44, including 195 to 16 edge in the fourth quarter and shut them out the rest of the game for a 34-27 comeback win. Uh, and Colorado State gets their first win of the season there. So uh, the Gators have won 17 consecutive games against first-time opponents, a streak that dates all the way back to the 2003 Outback Bowl when Florida lost its first-ever meeting with Michigan. Uh, and look, uh, going back to last year, Dan Mullen faced Colorado State defensive coordinator John Jessick uh, last season, as Jancic was the uh, Kentucky's defensive coordinator, uh, and Mullen's Mississippi State offense racked up 441 total yards in a 45-7 to win uh, against Kentucky last year when Jancic was the defensive coordinator. So, you know, a lot less talent, of course, on this Colorado State defense compared uh, to last year at Kentucky. But uh, this year so far, the Colorado State defense ranks 124th in the nation in total defense giving up 555 yards a game in their three games so far. So remember they kicked off in that week zero uh, against Hawaii. So that's why they have uh, Colorado has a uh, Colorado state has the um, uh, three games uh, on, on its schedule right now. They are 116th in scoring defense at 38.3 points per game. Also 116th in the nation in rushing defense, giving up 252 yards a game all while ranking 110th in passing defense, giving up 298 yards per game. So, guys, look, this is a game where Florida needs to score some points. Uh, everyone else has been playing Colorado State and, uh, and, and putting points up, and Florida must uh, as well. This is a game where, you know, I think uh, the Gators need to let the running backs get into a groove, take advantage of a really porous rush defense, and, and let the offensive line 
prove they can do it versus anyone, anyone that's on the schedule. And if they can't do it here, then it really makes you wonder uh, about these guys even more. You know, this game is a must to show this offensive line can do it. No other way around it. Doesn't matter the opponent. Go out there and do it. And also from a game strategy side, like this isn't um, a team that should come in here to Gainesville and beat Florida. But if the Gators offense can't stay on the field and, and gives this potent Colorado State passing game a chance after chance after chance to put up points, there's a good chance they will have given the opportunity. And, and going to that other side of the ball and what Colorado State uh, can do, I mean, Colorado State's passing offense ranks 10th nationally, uh, averaging 369 yards per game. Now, graduate transfer quarterback K.J. Carter-Samuels ranks 5th in FBS and passing yards per game with 367.3 and 4th in completions per game with 28. Uh, so in the second half of, of uh, last, week's Saturday, uh, last week's win over Arkansas, Carter-Samuels completed 22 of 27 for 291 yards and 2 touchdowns to finish the game 32 of 47 389 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception against an SEC defense in Arkansas. Uh, in the fourth quarter of games this season, in their three games, he's 26-37 for 384 yards, 70% completion percentage, 10.38 yards attempt. So every time he throws in the fourth quarter, it's for a first down, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So this is a, a quarterback that is going to – they're going to come try and sling it around uh, on this Florida secondary. And junior wide receiver Preston Williams, who at one time was a Tennessee volunteer, he ranks fourth in FBS and receptions per game with nine and sixth in receiving yards per game with 130.3, has four touchdown receptions in three games. So, the, 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 you know, this little pairing here with Carter Samuels and Preston Williams, Florida's going to – look, they're going to have their work cut out for him with Trey Dean getting his first work in. You'll have C.J. Henderson more than likely on Preston Williams. And they're going to just uh, – if they'll pair him up and, and line him up together, uh, we'll have to see what, uh, what Todd Grantham can, can bring to the table here. Uh, you know, And Williams is going to be a target. I mean, he's caught 12 passes for 155 uh, – 12 passes for 154 yards and two touchdowns in the win over Arkansas. Uh, has been over 150 yards in two of his first three games, 188 versus Hawaii. Um, there, so, I mean, 188 yards uh, receiving. Uh, it doesn't matter who you're going to, uh, up against. Uh, that's pretty good, pretty pretty good there. Uh, look, in Colorado State, overall, they've they've lost to two pretty good teams uh, in Hawaii, who's 3-0 and in the season right now. Colorado, who's 2-0, and a team that just beat Nebraska. Uh, and, and besides the Colorado game, the Rams have shown the ability to come back. Uh, the comeback fell short uh, in, in their first game against Hawaii. But as I mentioned earlier, a, a great comeback to beat Arkansas last week. So so even if Florida gets up, and the secondary will be tested all game. You know, look, the numbers we just threw out there, uh, they're going to come in here. Mike Bobo, uh, the head coach, we know his history at Georgia. Uh, he'll take advantage of, of winning where he can, and they're going to try and come in here and, and into the swamp and, and test this young Florida secondary and, and throw the ball. So Florida can't let up. If Florida, like I mentioned, if they get up, no matter how they get up, uh, if they, they, you can't relax. Uh, the pressure must – you can't let up, and, and the pressure must get to Carter Samuel. So – yeah, this is a good game to to get back into uh, the attacking mode on on defense. Dictate the play. Don't let it dictate you uh, from the Colorado side, State side of things. And I still think Grantham needs to bring uh, the pressure and not let Carter Samuels uh, get comfortable. And, and he must do it all game, especially if especially if Florida can't pull away. Uh, you know, Colorado State has proven 
twice already. They can come back. So get up big, but don't don't get too comfortable here. So you know, all said and done, given all that, I, I still I, I think Florida bounces back here, gets a win. Uh, you know, but but it's hard not to see. Yeah, or, or you know, it's hard to see maybe a big blowout after what we saw last week. I think Franks will probably play okay. Hopefully, after this game, he he he's still not the leading rusher on the team. Uh, as you know, I expect the run game to be featured early and often, and, and Colorado State to be worn down in the second half and, and keep their offense on the field uh, off the field. Florida gets this run game going like we we thought they could coming into the season. I know that that bodes well for really. Uh, uh, testing that Colorado State defense, who, who who is really struggling stopping the run, get them. It's going to be hot Saturday as well. They're not going to be used to this weather, uh, you know. And two, like I mentioned earlier, the two reasons why this run game needs to get going. First of all, just to prove Florida can do it. Second of all, it's really helping the strategy uh, of this game. You know, I wish I could tell you how the running back rotation would go, uh, but that's any, any, anyone's guess right now. In the end, I say this looks like a. You know, 37-17, 34-17 Florida win if if they bounce back like I think they will. And, you know, if they don't, maybe have another close game on their hands and it's a passing attack that Florida would need to be ready for. Uh, Trey Dean's going to be tested. They're going to try and find a, uh, a matchup where they can uh, get him, uh, you know, at, at a disadvantage and, and we'll see how he responds. Uh, I think he'll respond pretty well. Um, but uh, I think a lot of it's really going to be Getting David Reese back, getting CC Jefferson back, uh, getting your you know one of your one of your leaders in Reese and one of your supposed leaders Jefferson, uh, but he didn't play in the first two games uh, out there and, and kind of you know some, solidify what's out there and get some continuity uh, on this defense going into the game uh, with Tennessee next week on the road. But you know having David Reese out there uh, can help really I think control the gaps, make some better tackling. Uh, and line up, make everybody line up where they're supposed to be uh, with the, you know, the general of the defense being on the field. So all in all, I'm looking at a 34-17, 37-17 type of Florida win. Hopefully, hopefully, much better showing and toughness. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. I think we just all want to see that. It could be playing a, a peewee team right now. <laughs> and Florida's got to show, show more mentality, a tougher mentality, as we've been talking about all week and earlier this episode um as well so that's going to be it there uh with the preview for uh florida colorado state uh hopefully uh you know fans show up uh i know it's kind of uh this week's kind of been tough uh but all in all you know still gators and hopefully uh go out there and see the gators play in the last home game for uh two weeks now uh, after with you know tennessee and mississippi state uh coming up uh back to back and let's take a look around the sec and what's coming up week three of the SEC schedule. Uh, Murray State and Kentucky, uh, that's a nooner kickoff game. Uh, also at noon, UTEP and Tennessee, uh, 2.30. There you go. Kind of interesting game here, especially the way Vanderbilt started the season, blowing out a couple uh, weak opponents, but they travel up to South Bend and take on Notre Dame. So Vanderbilt at Notre Dame at 2.30. That's going to be a good game uh, uh, to keep an eye on. You can start that about an hour and a half before the Gator game kicks off at 4 o'clock. LSU and Auburn, uh, as you just uh, heard Cole but talk about uh, earlier, that's the biggest game of the SEC. It's the 330 CBS game this week. Number 12 LSU at Auburn. I, I kind of like Auburn there 
uh, you know, Jarrett Stidham and that, and that, and then also that defense there. Uh, LSU, you know, still got to see Jer Burrow take that next step at quarterback uh, and can see there. But I think this will be one of those, uh, you know, hotly contested. You know, kind of just seems every time LSU and Auburn get together is one of those uh, classic knockdown dragouts. And when LSU, LSU has a lot of success at Auburn, so interesting to see how that. Uh, uh, takes off there. Colorado State at Florida. That's a four o'clock game. Uh, also at four o'clock, North Texas at Arkansas. Uh, then seven o'clock, Alabama and Ole Miss. A game, that game used to be uh, uh, pretty good when Hugh Freeze was back there uh, coaching the the Rebels. You know, Ole Miss's offense might can keep this interesting for a little while. Uh, but when it's all said and done, of course, Alabama is just going to be way, 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 way too much because Ole Miss ain't no way they stopping them. <laughs> that defense needs some help there. Uh, 7-15 night game in uh, between the hedges, mid, uh, Middle Tennessee at Georgia. And then 7-30, you have Mississippi State in Louisiana. 7-30, Texas A&M in Louisiana Monroe. And another interesting game here at 7-30 at night kickoff is Missouri traveling to Purdue. So that's a look around the SEC for week three. So this has been another episode of Gators Breakdown. Thanks for joining me here, guys. And, uh, of course, Cole Kubik joining and giving all his insight of being around the program uh, the last couple of weeks. And uh, re- really, really uh, enjoy his insight uh, when we can get him here on Gators Breakdown. <clears throat> I'm your host, David Waters of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.